0: Hello and welcome to another week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced in the studios of 3CR Radio in Melbourne. It's broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network and it is brought to you by your local community radio station. I'm Sarah McKenzie. Last week the Turnbull government introduced legislation that makes it easier to deregister militant unions that regularly breach workplace and civil law. The bill includes a government pledge to introduce a public interest test on union mergers, a direct response to the proposed merger between the CFMEU and the MUA and other proposed amalgamations throughout the union movement. So, in light of this, Later on the show, we'll talk to Max Ogden a little bit about the history of amalgamations throughout the union movement. We'll also be speaking to Will Strach about the Same-Sex Marriage Postal Survey and why equality is union business. But first, some union news. The Health and Community Services Union, HACSU, has been running a political campaign to fight the privatisation of disability services in Victoria and provide certainty for disability. What is bad for workers is bad for residents and clients. Workers at the Kalanda Centre have won a campaign for an acceptable transfer agreement when Colac's Disability Care Centre closes. Ange Carter, the area organiser from HACSU, gives us some details on this agreement.
1: The uh, agreement's taken 10 months to to reach. It's been a very long campaign by members who fought really hard for their rights. And it, the agreement that was finally reached goes to uh, service continuity and retention payments that will uh, provide some additional uh, payments to staff who are made redundant and some significant out-of-area relocation packages of, um, you know, rental assistance, home purchase assistance, vendors assistance and family assistance packages. And that's they're designed to help staff who want to actually move uh, to a new location to go with the residents they've been supporting for 20 odd years um, into the, to, to continue that continuity of care. So moving obviously moving from Colac to Geelong or uh, other areas Uh, it has quite an an expense attached to that. So in order to uh, incentivise people actually making that move, these payments go a long way to helping those staff do that.
0: Okay, and how are the negotiations with the Victorian state government travelling? Has anything come from those talks that were held after the last Labor state conference?
1: Uh, In terms of privatisation, I don't think that there's been any movement on that. So we continue to campaign against the decision to privatise disability services. And for Calanda staff, you know, whilst they might have certainty around uh, moving into the new group homes, they've certainly still not got any certainty about their future in disability services remaining in the public sector. So those that campaign continues.
0: Okay, thanks for that. And um, how can members of the community uh, help HACSU with the Certainty for Disability campaign?
1: Uh, I think that members of the community need to be aware of what's actually at stake here and be talking to their uh, local MPs and to the government and um, telling them clearly that uh, disability services is not up for sale, that privatisation of disability services does not provide better outcomes for people in the community. And I think that the community needs to stand up and help us in this fight.
0: The CFMEU last week said that it would launch a fresh campaign to change the rules on redundancy pay. This came after the Fair Work Commission's decision to cap redundancy pay at 15 years of service in the mining sector was upheld on judicial review. The decision effectively strips money that should be for older working Australians' retirement savings, and it transfers it into the mining company's pockets. The CFMEU Mining and Energy Division President, Tony Mayer, said the decision confirmed what workers already knew – Australia's industrial relation rules are broken – Previously, coal employees' redundancy pay had been calculated at two weeks' pay for every year of service. But now, once an employee reaches 15 years of service, they can no longer collect any further redundancy benefits. For employees with more than 15 years' employment, their existing benefits are frozen, and they can no longer accumulate redundancy pay. It's a decision that not only deprives employees of fair benefits at a time of retrenchments, but it will impact significantly on many regional economies where these mine employees and their families live and spend their money. The campaign is being launched under the umbrella of changing the rules, a call we hear coming from industries all over Australia. The current system is broken. It's not working. But if we work together, we can change it. In Adelaide, transport workers protested on the 16th of August at the entrance to supermarket giant Eldie's Adelaide Distribution Centre. The protest was to oppose the company's inaction on road safety. Approximately 100 workers made their way to Regent Park and protested outside for 30 minutes to ensure Eldie heard their demands for a safer industry. There has been a recent spike in deaths from truck crashes. This year, almost 40% of all workplace deaths have involved transport workers. 46 transport workers have died at work this year. Tony Sheldon, the national secretary of the transport workers union, said that LD is refusing the requests to have sit down talks about the pressure they're putting on transport operators and truck drivers. They're refusing to accept that this pressure is leading to horrific deaths and injuries on our roads. The union is also rightfully placing some blame with the federal government, who last year axed an independent tribunal which was holding wealthy clients like Eldie to account. Protesting workers shouted a demand for safe rates, and they'll continue to take action until their concerns have been addressed. United Voice, the union for school cleaners, had a massive win in Victoria this month for school cleaners who've been ripped off for years due to dodgy contractors. In November last year, investigations and reports began emerging showing cleaning companies in Victoria underpaying their staff, depriving their staff of basic entitlements like sick and penalty pay, using sham ABN contracts to pay staff below the award, franchising scams where workers pay their bosses to keep their jobs, and widespread wage theft. The United Voice Cleaners ran a huge campaign, calling on the Victorian government to address this issue. This included protests at the front of Parliament and the Labor State Conference earlier this year. The current system in Victoria will now be changed by cutting hundreds of contractors operating in Victoria, including dodgy backyard operators and subcontractors. The Andrews government has proposed a new model. It will break metropolitan Melbourne up into eight zones, where a single cleaning contract will be awarded in each zone. This will begin next year and will also be rolled out in regional Victoria. School cleaners won because they stood together in their union, proving that if we work together, we can change the rules. You're listening to Stick Together, Workers' Stories and Union News. Broadcast around the the country every week on the Community Radio Network. Earlier this month, the Turnbull government announced they'll be holding a postal survey in place of a plebiscite on whether the laws should be changed to allow two people of the same sex to get married. Equality is union business. Will Struck, the Industrial Campaign Officer of Victorian Trades Hall, joins us by phone to discuss the role the union movement plays in ensuring that everybody in our community is treated equally and with respect. Uh,
2: from our perspective as unions, we fight... Um, every day to improve the wages and conditions of workers, to make sure that they are safe and um, to make sure that they don't suffer discrimination in the workplace. But what we know about that is that we we can't eliminate discrimination in the workplace and we can't make workplaces safe if it's not safe for people outside of work and if there's discrimination outside of work. So we say equality is union business Because we see people as both workers, but also people in community. And so the struggle for equality outside of workplaces is the same as the struggle for equality in workplaces.
0: seems like we won't find out if the postal survey will definitely, definitely go ahead until just before the enrolments close. But if it does, um, what can people do in their workplaces to ensure that we win?
2: So the first thing is um, you've just got to say to everybody that they need to enrol for vote. So you've got till the close of business on August the 24th to um, make sure that your enrolment is up to date. So that would be tomorrow, yeah? And then thereafter, there's going to be the ballots will start getting sent out on the 12th of September. So between the close of enrolments and the start of ballots, we need everyone to talk to everyone that they know, their friends and their family, about, why this issue is important to them and why they believe that it's important in Australia that um, marriage equality happen so the most you know, the best conversation that anyone can have with anyone that you know is the conversation that you have because I don't have to train you I don't have to tell you what you need to say you know what's in your heart so it's about having conversations in workplaces um, with your work colleagues, it's about having conversations with everyone that you know to make sure that they are on side with marriage equality and also that they'll get their ballot in. And then after the ballots have started to come out, it's about following up with each of them and saying, look, you said that you supported marriage equality, now you need to get your ballot in because if you don't, your support won't count.
0: mm um, and if somebody, uh, a worker, is being harassed or bullied at their workplace because of this issue and because of the discussion around this issue, w- what should they do? What steps should they take?
2: Well, the, f- the first thing is they um, they should tell, if, if they're a member of a trade union, they should tell the union, the union delegate about that or contact the union office. Um, if they're not a member of the union, then um, you probably need to go to HR and, and let them know what is happening it, it's not right for people to be bullied and harassed on the basis of um, either their political view or on the basis of their um, gender orientation um, and sexuality. So uh, it's really important that you know that the law is on your side. Now, that can be hard because, you know, the legal rights are... It can be hard to, to speak up about this. Um, so... They're the places that you can go to report it, or you can contact the Human Rights and Equal Opportunity Commission and you can let them know that this is happening. Um, And then the other thing, obviously, is that you need to take care of yourself in that because this is a really hard time, um, particularly for the LGBTIQ comrades. This is a really difficult time, so you also need to make sure that you're looking after yourself in that and that you go and find the support to go talk about how that might make you feel. The only thing, last bit, I would say is um, for those people, I know that there are people who are saying that they are going to boycott um, the vote. And I just want to say, um, I completely understand that as a member of the LGBTIQ community. I, I understand that the, the way this is making us feel about asking Australia for their approval to get married and the respect of our relationships. Um, this is a really hard process. The only thing I would say about that is just a couple of things. The first is um, never give your opponent an easy break. They want the no vote to win. And if you don't vote, it's the equivalent of a no vote. I mean, for all that we might talk about, that it's a boycott and all of that sort of stuff. Nonetheless, just don't give them an easy out. Don't make it easy. Let's make it as hard as we can for them. And the second thing I'd say is, and I, I was originally a sit on the boycott side of this stuff, but in the end, what I got to was that, no matter how we frame this, young LGBTIQ kids um, are gonna see this result as a reflection of how Australia values mm-hmm. them. And so I don't—I just couldn't, in my heart of hearts, wake up the day after the result is announced. And if it were close um, and I hadn't voted, I couldn't be sure that I could look them in the eye mm-hmm. And, and not feel like my boycott was a little bit hollow, uh, mm. depend, you know, it, with the, what the result made them feel. So I understand that desire, I understand the, the range of feelings that we have about this, but in the end, I have come to that, if we're gonna be stuck with this pile of crap, then we should make sure that we win.
0: You're listening to Stick Together. I'm Sarah McKenzie. Now, Max Ogden, a lifelong activist in the union movement in Australia, joins us in the 3CR studio to talk mergers. Thanks, Max, for joining us today on the program. I wanted to talk a little bit today about the history of union amalgamations in light of um, the CFMEU and the MUA and the Textiles Union joining. And there's also been a bit of talk about United Voice and the National Union of Workers getting together. Um, could you maybe just give me a bit of a bit of a history of of why unions have joined together um, in the past?
3: Well. Uh the real a lot of the stuff started in the in the early seventies, late sixties and early seventies. At that time, I was uh, in the what was then the amalgamated engineering union, and between seventy and seventy-two, we amalgamated with two other important metal unions: the sheet metal union and the Boilermakers. And a lot of work went into that. Uh, it took several years of preparation and working together. Then it developed from there to the smaller unions, the shipwrights union. Uh, the Moulders Union, all part of the metal industry, Uh, and then the technical union, what was ADSTI, uh, the architects, draftsmen, engineers and so on, came in to form the the technical wing. And then in later years, um, we had the uh, amalgamation with the printers and the vehicle union. Um, So altogether, there was about seven unions, something like that, who who formed what we now know as the... uh, uh, AMWU. Um, but then the big merger development started from uh, the uh, early 90s, um, although a number had gone on in the white collar field because by then, uh, by the 80s, we had uh, the ACTU amalgamating with the um, XPA, which was the Australian... Um, uh, all the, not the all the uh, white collar unions, um, who were a, a very forward looking and progressive group, so they were the peak the um, peak council for white collar unions, and then the not long after that, about the time I first began at the ACTU, we had the final of the amalgamation with the Commonwealth Public Sector Unions KGO, and um, so we have probably one of the few places in the world where all unions amalgamated under one peak council. Mm-hmm. Uh, to my knowledge, there's not a lot of places where that's happened. Often, particularly the white-collar professional unions have tend to remain outside. So we were uh, unique in, in pulling all that together, which was a very a very big uh, achievement. Um,
0: and what, what do you think the benefits of these unions joining together was?
3: In the case of the peak councils... Um, uh, it, it really did unite the whole movement. So the ACTU could speak with one voice on behalf of of all sections of, of workers. So I think that was quite an important development, which means, for example, when we negotiated the Accord in 1983, um, uh, the KGO hadn't, I don't think, amalgamated into it then, but they're on the way... Uh, the union was, the HD was able to speak on behalf of everybody, um, which I think was a very important achievement. Amalgamations in general, however, uh, uh, the, it's a bit patchy. Mm-hmm. Some have worked well. I think uh, the ones in my old union worked pretty well, uh, up until I think there was some uh, problems in the last couple. i because the printing section and the vehicle section tended to operate pretty much independently anyway. The, now, those that have worked well have been those that were united across an industry. Yeah. Uh, in particular, I think um, uh, in the white collar field, for example, the finance sector union, uh, which pulled together a whole number of small unions in the, uh, in the finance sector, uh I got the impression for at least for a number of years I don't know what it's like now, but it worked very well um, similarly in uh, uh, education uh, and in the public sector where you started to get to uniting all the state and federal public sectors, I think they work quite well um, where we had some problems is it, particularly from the early night, well, even before then, but particularly when when the mergers were coming a big thing, there was a tendency, well, a strong tendency for the amalgamations to be based around factional alliances uh, in, in relation to the Labor Party rather than industry structures. Um, and I remember raising it at the time in the early nineties uh, with a few people and uh, some ACU people that I'd, we'd always. Been on the trajectory of having trying to build industry unions, and this was kind of running counter that. And I think that was that was rather unfortunate.
0: The union I'm a member of, the Media, Entertainment and Arts Alliance, um, joined together in 1992 with the journo's and the jugglers, and, and because of that, it's still a strong and powerful voice.
3: No, I agree. I mean, that was a good another good example where I think amalgamation worked quite well because there was such a a lot of common interest uh, and common sort of Employers, generally speaking, and so on. Um,
0: what do you think about um, about the Turnbull government uh, introducing legislation that tries to block mergers?
3: Well, this is, you know, this is uh, quite extraordinary. It's um, this interference. I mean, a lot of people don't realise. In fact, I was only talking to somebody over lunch early this week. Don't realise that now Australian industrialisation laws are about the worst in the OECD. Uh, the In my view, it's changing the industrial relations laws, which has got to be the number one priority for the union movement because it impacts so many other things. And particularly leading up to the next election, it seems to me that uh, it's critical that we reach agreements with the Labor Party and beyond, because we're going to have to have a lot of backup support for a massive change in IR legislation in this latest move is just another um, attack on on union rights. Uh, No question about that. Um, So I think it's got to be strongly opposed, uh, which won't be easy given the numbers in the Senate. I'm not sure how that's likely to work through, but it just highlights yet again the need for um, uh, that as the number one priority uh, over the next couple of years. Hopefully we can get a a Labour government, which uh, will agree to make some of those changes, mm. and they've got to be much better changes than, than were made under when Julia Gillard was the minister. It didn't anything anyway get back to what we what we used to have uh, before work choices. So it's quite critical.
0: A lot of young people shift between jobs quite regularly, and every now and then someone suggests, well, "Why isn't there just?" a super union for everyone where as you move jobs you just change sections but you don't ever lose your union membership. What are, what are some of the um, pros or, and and issues with that proposal?
3: Look, I think it'll be a great idea. If, yeah, me too. <laughs> that if we could pull it off. The yeah. pro- the problem is always given all the political alliances and unions by and large tend to be fairly conservative in my experience, uh, whether they're right or left fa- uh, aligned Uh, to get some of those changes, they usually react rather than lead. Uh, Do you think they're forced
0: into being conservative by some of the workplace laws that are put on them or...?
3: No, no. Uh, My view is we could have... um, For example, I was a strong supporter of the Accord and I think we could have made much more of it if we had a, a much clearer... Uh, strategic vision of what was possible under the accord and, and the unions didn't uh, do anything. we got a lot out of it I believe uh, and it wasn't perfect it never is uh, but it was a very important st- step um, and I think we should have uh, in those days and beyond the Howard government maintained that kind of strategy uh, which, is, which doesn't mean to say you do the same things every day. Obviously, that would have been different given the attacks from the Howard government. But the strategic approach, I think, was the important one which we backed away from, which I think was, was a mistake. And I think we could have been somewhat better off. Now, on the one hand, you have the objective reality of the attacks we've had from uh, conservative governments and the ruling class. On the other, there's the kind of subjective response and uh, one of my criticisms, I've written quite a lot about it uh, and created a lot of debate, is that um, unions have got to move beyond just reacting. Uh, and we, we've tended to allow the Conservatives to set the agenda. When I've had some quite good experiences at the ACT where we were, the unions were able to quite aggressively set the agenda and force employers to come and discuss our agenda rather than theirs. Now that's not easy. I'm not suggesting for a moment anybody is, but I think that's been a weakness. It's one thing to have a whole lot of good policies, which we we do have, and which the ALP has too, by and large now. Uh, but then it's another thing to put them together in a kind of aggressive, um, proactive alternative strategy. And uh, I think that's where we've been somewhat lacking, and that's been one of the problems of some of the amalgamations. They haven't been thought through strategically.
0: Just one last question on um, on amalgamations. So, of course, there's the uh, discussions around the CFMEU and the and the. Um, uh, uh, MUA and, and the Textiles Union joining together and they've been under attack um, <clears throat> from the Turnbull government on that. Um, do you think that that is a good merger? Do you think that that will, will be uh, positive for, for that section of the movement?
3: I can see two of those being quite logical, uh, the MUA and the CFMU, and I, I think it'd be good if that was to come off. I'm a bit puzzled by the, the textile side because textiles in manufacturing, and I know that the CFMU had quite have quite a few people in manufacturing, I would have preferred to see the textiles in an amalgamation with all the manufacturing unions mm. would would make a lot more sense. I should make one more point too about the lessons of all of this. Those unions, there's another element of it which is not often spoken about, but those unions which, uh, like the plumbers, the... Uh, electricians, the nurses uh, who, although they might have amalgamated, the nurses really didn't, um, but they stuck as their own operation because they were sort of professional trade oriented. So all the people in their particular unions uh, were in one profession or one trade. And in the case of the health, it'll be basically in the same industry. In the ETU, you'd have your electricians in a whole lot of industries and so on. Those unions t- have done reasonably well compared. Uh, so yeah, uh, the other lesson is there, the old kind of craft-based unions, uh, of which so many of our unions grew out of, those that stuck with that have... Uh, been reasonably successful in maintaining their membership and and their power Um, so that's another element of it apart from industry structures
0: thanks max thanks for joining us that's it for stick together today thanks for listening and thanks to our guests this program is produced in the melbourne studios of 3cr and it is broadcast nationally by the community radio network Podcasts for the show can be found at 3CR.org.au slash stick together. If you want to get in contact with the producers of the show, you can call us on 03 8377 or send us an email at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there is a union for you. My name's Sarah McKenzie, and until next time, stick together together.